either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Was the week after the Batman, and there's not many films that are daring to challenge him in the movie theaters this week. But uh, hey, we've got some good streaming and some smaller films to check out that are venturing into the theaters. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and let's start with one of those streaming films. This one uh, exclusively on Disney+. Plus. As a 13-year-old girl named Mei Lin turns into a giant red panda, whenever she gets too excited, this is turning red. I'm a gross red monster! <laughs> Don't look at me! Stay back! This happened already? What? Did you say? Our ancestors had a mystical connection with red pandas. Are you kidding me? This little quirk brought us in our family. Oh. Any strong emotion yes! will release the panda. <laughs> Do you know how dangerous this is? You'll get whipped up into a frenzy and panda all over. <laughs> My whole life I've been perfect little May May. But maybe I like this new me. Well, we didn't know too much about this uh, before seeing it. We did know that it was Pixar, which always gets us excited because this is their 25th film, Pixar. Holy cow. And they've got a pretty good batting average. <laughs> yes. They really do. Um, they find a, always seem to find, for their best stuff, a great way to mix big laughs. Right. Some of their films are very funny. Mm-hmm. And some real poignancy that, that hits you in the feels. And this one does that, too, but in a, in a number of ways... Turning Red feels like a turning point for for Pixar. And, uh, yeah, the story uh, centers around Mei Lin. She's 13 years old. She lives in Toronto. And she's an honor student, and she loves her best friends, and she loves math, and she loves this boy band called Four Town. There's there's five members, but they're called Four Town. We don't know why. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> And I think one of the reasons, or probably the main reason it's set in 2002 is for the boy band craze and the fact that that was 20 years ago. So now the parents, specifically the moms who might be taking their kids or going or sitting down with their kids to watch this were crazy about boy bands right. 20 years ago. Right. So they all, recognize themselves. Exactly. In this sure. Exactly. And that's just one of the, one of the ways this movie will be relatable. So May Lynn thinks she's got her, her uh, life all buttoned up. Uh, her number one rule that she lives by is uh, honor your parents. And her mom, voiced by Sandra Oh. Who's so good. Yeah. Is a, is a helicopter parent. Uh, can't get around that. But one morning, Mei Lin wakes up as a giant red panda. And then she finds out her, when her, about this strange family history they have that dates back to an ancient Chinese ancestor. And because of something that was going on there with mystical powers, now the women in the family at a certain age bring out their inner pandas. And uh, May Lin finds out that uh, the inner panda is brought on by extreme emotions. So now that the panda is here, she has to control those emotions until they can gather family members and complete the ancient ritual and banish the bear forever. So right there, you've got a very cute, obvious metaphor for puberty, especially, let's face it, female puberty. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but... That is far from all that this movie has in mind, because from there it takes on the journey of Mei Lin learning about. I mean, so many movies, especially aimed at kids, have the very generic message of 
Be true to yourself, right? right? Yeah. Believe in yourself. Well, here, as Maylin's story goes along, and it involves trying to get tickets to the big four-town concert because they're coming to town without her mom knowing about it, and then there's a bully that uh, has to be taught a lesson at school, and then there's this dreamy kid, Devin, who works at the Daisy Mart, who uh, Maylin has some strange new feelings for. So all that's going on. Basically, the Red Panda, the appearance of the Red Panda, just turns her life upside down. And it turns into a funny, very warm and entertaining message to kids, and especially girls, that believing in your true self also means accepting the parts of your true self that are messy. Right. And that are awkward. And that make you feel dumb. And that they're not weird, and they're totally normal, and that's going to be your life. Because people have messy parts of themselves. Right? Yes. And, And part of it... The, the many ways that it feels like a turning point, well, first of all, this is the first Pixar film directed by a woman, Domi Shi. And if you look, and a lot of the production team features women in leadership roles. So you get a great perspective that is aimed for the first time at a little older of a, of a child. You, you can tell her that this is aimed at the adolescent. So we've, we've upped it a little bit. We've moved it a little bit older, especially at adolescent girls. But it's still a very universal message, and it can be enjoyed by probably mothers and daughters are going to have a special affinity watching this together, but just parents and children in general, because it's a great message that I think is welcome and delivered in a very entertaining and funny way. And also, it looks different than any other Pixar film. The How ana- cute is that bear, though? The bear. Oh, my God. The bear is very cute. I, you know, you just, you don't want her to banish that bear. You just think, <laughs> but you're so cute as this red panda. And in fact, and they do manage, <laughs> they do manage the line to get in there. You're so fluffy. <laughs> they managed to work that in there. But the, yeah, and we should say that uh, Mei Lin is voiced by Rosalie Chang. Who's, who's so good. Just charming. Oh, she just is. Just so charming. And, and the music, too. Well, let's go back to the animation. The animation looks great, different, as I said, from really anything Pixar has done. And it mixes, it it looks very new, very now, but it also has homages to some classic animation styles, including anime. Mm -hmm. The the faces will all all of a sudden just burst into those wide mouths of anime. Anime, yeah. yeah, And wide eyes. And then you've got some some slow motion stuff and some some hand-drawn stuff. So that fits in with the whole theme of the movie. Honor the past, but embrace the possibilities of the future. And the music goes along with that as well, because you've got a, a, a great standard traditional score. And then you've got these pop songs, uh, mainly done by the boy band. And they're written by Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas O'Connell. And now, Billie Eilish doesn't sing any of them because they're going through this boy band. But Phineas provides one of the voices of one of the members of the boy band. And they're very catchy songs. So, again, <laughs> there you mix the traditional and the new as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And it just comes full circle in, in this very entertaining film and very heartwarming message that I think the worst thing, not the worst thing, I should say the, the most disappointing thing about this is that people who want to aren't going to get a chance to see it on the, on, big, on screen. the big screen. Because Pixar films, think about it over the years, They've become like events. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when we had our son and the, oh, they were huge events yeah. going to see the Toy Stories or whatever. Well, I remember, remember how disappointed we were that Soul, which is really the oh, first one, because, yeah. you know, Soul came out really not too long into the pandemic and yeah. the theaters were closed and they brought it out anyway. And it was it was like one of our two. I think it was our number two uh, ranked number Such two best film of that year. Yeah. 
And the only the only downside was that we did not get a chance to see that on the big screen. Yeah. And it's the same here. I mean, they're yeah. just they're so beautiful yep. and and they're such crowd pleasers and they're so moving. It, it it's just a lot more fun to watch them with people. Now the upside, if you have a family and you have Disney Plus, you can obviously watch this as many times yeah. as you want yeah. to. And I can see it being a repeat. So definitely it is one to seek out this weekend or very soon. It's on Disney Plus and just another winner. For Pixar, it seems like we've said that so, so many times. Sometimes the hardest thing about Pixar films is to live up to the reputation that they have earned. You know, I just want to—I want to say—I want to say one thing about this film and about Pixar films within the sort of Disney context. And this is not—I'm not trying to knock Disney, Mm -hmm. but they have a very long history of very perfect female central characters. Mm Princesses, yeah. and and uh, one of the things that I love about, I mean, the very first sort of one and only princess movie that Pixar did, you know, we had Merida, who was just a big sloppy mess. Somebody was trying to force her to stop it, and the whole movie was like, no. I really love that. In that same vein, we have another movie for kids to watch where don't don't try to be a perfect princess. Right. Don't right. Don't. That's not for your benefit. That's for the benefit of other people. Yeah. Be who you are. I love that about this. Movie. Yeah, I think it takes a, a generic message, like mm-hmm. we said, that believe in yourself and really adds some some authenticity to it. Yes. That doesn't feel like pandering. It, it feels like really speaking to to chill to adolescents with a with a um, a message that I think can be well taken and makes it very entertaining, fun to watch and funny, too. So yeah. Pixar, they have done it again. We really liked if you couldn't tell really like turning red. Got another streamer next. This one on Netflix. A time-traveling pilot teams up with his younger self and his late father to come to terms with his past while saving the future. This is The Adam Project. What's your plan? Well, I'm not going to explain my plan to a 12-year-old nerd with it. You don't have, I do not plan. have a plan, but I know somebody who does. Dad. I'm the godfather of time travel? The Adam Project. We don't pull this off. We're not getting back. What do you say, kid? Punch that shit. Oh, yeah. Well, star Ryan Reynolds and director Sean Levy, they are coming off a big hit with Free Guy that a lot of people liked, including us. Yeah. Entertaining. It was. So they're back with this one straight to Netflix. And this, this movie has nostalgia written all over it. You're going to recognize parts of a lot of different films. But here's one we were just talking about, uh, Turning Red, being sort of disappointed. We're disappointed that we couldn't see it on a big screen. This one seems perfect that it goes right to Netflix. Yeah, you know, here in Ohio, we're going to have a crappy winter weather weekend. And this is just a good movie for something like that. It's a time waster. It's fun. Uh, but it's it's pretty vacuous. The the cast is amazing because Ryan Reynolds, obviously, right? But it's also the great Catherine Keener. You also have Mark Ruffalo and Zoe Saldana and Jennifer Garner. I mean, that's a big cast. And um, they rehash a lot of ideas that are pretty similar to other ideas that you've seen. They mostly get by on the charm of having Ryan Reynolds, who plays essentially Ryan Reynolds, run into himself. So a young <laughs> kid who's able to mimic that Ryan Reynolds personality and then for the two of them to bicker back and forth. That part of the movie is really quite charming. The plot holes in this are absolutely ludicrous. Well, we got to give some some proper respect to uh, the young actor who plays young Adam Walker Scobell. So and good. This is his first role. 
It won't be his last. No. Because this kid nails it. Yeah, and strangely enough, he looks like, I think he looks like he would be the child of Ryan Reynolds and Naomi Watts. Maybe that's, that's what, he what looks happens. Like. <laughs> but he has got it down. <laughs> yeah. They have he, great chemistry. They do. Going back and forth. And the, the youngster does a great job of sort of mimicking that same wise-ass personality, but in a, in a 12-year-old model. Yeah. And um, it's it's really good. You're gonna re- early on. You're gonna recognize Back to the Future all over this. Oh thing. yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars, Terminator, yeah. all that. And I, I, it feels like the film knows it. Oh and yeah. Is going well, they mentioned for, Terminator yeah, they and do. Star Wars. Yeah. I think they're going for that nostalgia factor about it. And then once it gets into him meeting his father, well, the two of them meeting their father, um, doing the time traveling, played by uh, Mark Ruffalo. He's the guy who accidentally stumbled on the concept or the the reality of of time travel. And once they get into that and saving the future and going back to try to stop his evil business partner, played by Catherine Keener, from taking over, it starts to get a little sappy, and it heads toward really mimicking another movie. Uh, I don't know if we should mention it or not, but uh, maybe you can guess uh, that, boy, that just comes on a little strong. It's just all the way around a fairly mediocre film. It is, but... It's not very well written. The acting is fine. It's just the cast alone elevates this to the point where you don't spend a lot of time going, somebody tell me again how Zoe Saldana showed up here right now. <laughs> Because that doesn't make any sense. Or somebody tell me again what exactly is wrong with the future that he had to come back and do this. Well, I don't, we don't know. We just don't. But I'm sure it's very, very important. It's just, <laughs> it's not a very well-written movie. It coasts along on charm, but it has charm to spare. It does. It has a lot of charm, especially if you watched Ryan Reynolds along with uh, Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot in the last Straight to Netflix, Red Notice. This this is so much better really than is. that. And I couldn't, oh. I couldn't help thinking that. Well, you know, one of the other things that you noticed, which would have flown right by me, is how fun it is to see Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo play a couple because it reminds you of back in the day 13 going on 30 it's all itself kind of a time travel movie yeah. where they were the cutest couple ever yeah boy another thing that's going to remind you of another movie the music there are just random needle drops throughout yeah. this movie yeah. that really start at the very beginning and that reminded me of guardians of the galaxy where that there was a reason he had that whole mixtape thing right. but why do we just keep hearing these classic rock jams it's hard to From say. From the 70s. Because, they, yeah, they, they have no bearing on the so- story, and they certainly don't represent any of the characters. Yeah, it was really, really uh, curious to me, and it just kept reminding me of, of Star-Lord jamming on the... Mm-hmm. Uh, but that made organic sense. This really doesn't. But yeah. if, you, if, if you like the Boston, crank it up. It's a fun time waster. It's not one, if it were in the theaters, we'd probably say, yeah, go out. No, but if no. You, you've got Netflix, uh, it's not like... Red Notice, where half an hour in, you're going, oh, my God. Yeah, plus you can watch it with your family. Yeah, yeah, and it's fun enough. So um, you're going to get a lot of of parts from other movies that uh, may give you some warm nostalgia, may make you think, "Eh, that's a little little too much, especially toward the end. At least we did. But, yeah, fun enough, and that is on Netflix now called The Atom Project. (laughs) Got a foreign language drama next. Svetla, a widow who lost her job, is living next to the Bulgarian-Turkish border there are many cases of refugees in her village due to its location. One day, she meets a refugee from Africa, and this changes her life. This is called fear. Hey! I have a passport. Do you speak English? English, I don't 
Now I suppose in here. Now this is on VOD, and there are a lot of movies called Fear. So if you're searching on it, looking for it, you might also have to look it up as Straw, S-T-R-A-H, its original foreign language title. But uh, this is Bulgarian, writer and director Ivalo Hristov. And it's a really compelling take on an age-old question, because if you're going to title your movie Fear the first thing that comes to mind is, all right, what are we afraid of? Yeah. And that's really what he's deconstructing here because uh, this widow is out in her village. She's lost her job. She was a teacher, and she just has a, a sour mood pretty much about everything. And she's not wild about the chance of refugees coming into the village, nor is anyone in her village. And she's out hunting, and she has her hunting rifle when she comes across Bamba. And he is from Africa, and he is fleeing a horrific situation, and he's trying on foot to get to Germany and a peaceful life. Well, she's got her gun, and she takes him hostage, and she feels like she will just turn him over to their border police there in the village. But they're full up because they just rounded up a bunch of Afghan refugees. They don't have room in their modest uh, quarters. So she ends up taking him home. And... You can probably guess that she finds out, once they get to know each other, that he's a very smart, intelligent, caring man and a threat to no one. And this, of course, doesn't sit well with all the white faces in her village. And you start to find out that all the things they're afraid of, of course they're afraid of people who don't look like them, but they're also afraid of people who aren't afraid of the same things that they are. Right. And that's a threat as well. And all the things that the, the village folk will do to make their bigotry justified is, is very sad, and, and it's very sadly expected, I guess. Uh, and it reminds you, of course, about the refugee crisis now all over the world. There are also, also some sweet humor, because early on, uh, Bamba speaks English. And so you, we understand a little bit. We understand what he's saying, and the the lost-in-translation moments as they're trying to speak to each other is sweetly humorous. Mm -hmm. But then as it, as it goes along and goes along, things get much more serious. But there are a couple of great performances. The two lead performances, if I can pronounce, uh, Svetla is played by Svetlana Yancheva, and Bamba is played by Michael Fleming. And they're both wonderful, and the dynamic between them is wonderful, and the, the arcs and, and what uh, she is willing to do as the threats to Bamba get more and more, uh, more and more deadly, and uh, I really liked it. It's uh, it's one that you may have to seek out. I think it's a it's pretty much of a bargain uh, rental on Amazon. One of those, yeah, just three ninety nine, and uh, and beautiful black and white. Beautiful. I'm glad. I'm I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought that up because we've been talking now about black and white films for a while. They've really made a comeback. They have. I mean, last year that was one of our themes. Yeah. That yeah. really really uh, summed up last year, and this is another one. Black and white, when it's shot well and, and with the lighting, it can just look gorgeous. And this is definitely one. And uh, it is called Fear, also Straw, S-T-R-A-H. And it is uh, available now on VOD. This was the official Bulgarian entry for the Academy Awards and has won a slew of international awards over the last year. So definitely worth checking out, called Fear. Let's make a hard left turn into horror comedy territory. What starts out as a girl's weekend away in the Mojave Desert becomes a tale of horror, death, and alien invasion in The Seed. We need to leave. The thing. It's not safe. It's something really special. It's an alien. It's dangerous. Deirdre! What? 
This one is new on Shudder this week, and it is kind of an 80s throwback movie. Sam Walker wrote and directed it, and he has a really great eye for color in a way that definitely recalls horror of the 80s. Uh, and he's got three friends. Two of them are sort of Instagram influencers. And then the third one, you know, is your final girl because she's not. <laughs> she's not on social media at all. And she kind of still has a flip phone and she reads books. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the movie starts off strong enough. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well-worn concept. You know, three people who rent a place and things go terribly wrong. And it's interesting to me, the place they rent is the exact setting from the movie Revenge. I couldn't believe that. From a few years ago. You said that, and I thought, well, it can't be the exact same one. It sure looks the same, but yeah. No. Yeah, it's Exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Just not as blood spattered. Right. And that's, you know, I mean, (laughs) as much as as he does have a great look for this movie, that's hard to choose a film because that movie, the look of the movie Revenge is unlike anything else. It is so, it's not something you want to be compared to. But I think they do a good job, especially with the color palette. It's got a very 80s retro vibe and that really kind of suits the post-apocalyptic sort of a theme that it has going on. The film reminded me a lot of, of Brian Eusden's Society. It reminded me a lot of some Larry Cohen movies of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it, it is got a lot going for it in, in sort of that aesthetic way. It is not very well written at all. The dialogue is pretty terrible. It's elevated by some great performances, especially by Lucy Martin, who plays kind of the villainous lead, mm-hmm. um, the mean girl, I suppose, of the three. But she's really great. Very, very funny. So they've gone out to the Mojave Desert because of this once-in-a-lifetime meteor shower, which, of course, two of them almost miss completely because they're trying so hard to get a signal so they can live stream it. Sure. And then they find this thing falls out of the sky and lands in their pool. And they think it's a rock, but little by little they think it's a thing. And then little by little it's clearly a, some sort of a, they're calling it a bear armadillo thing <laughs> and and eventually it kind of is eraser head but in a way that is not comedic but should be but isn't scary but isn't original and that's when things stop really working very well for this movie it just doesn't have anything interesting to say mm-hmm. And then by the third act, it abandons whatever comedy it has, and it just sort of turns left into a, you know, kind of a humorless, dusty horror film with nothing much to say. So it turned out to be quite disappointing, I thought. Yeah, especially with the run that Shudder has been on. Yeah. Because they've really done some solid, solid stuff here recently. But here's a, a little dip in the resume for Shudder, and that is new on the channel this week called The Seed. Let's go to a comedy in theaters. Here's a, a one in the theaters this weekend. Pete is cautiously excited about reunited. Pete is cautiously excited about reuniting with his college crew for a birthday weekend. But one by one, his friends slowly turn against him. Is he being punished? Is he paranoid? Or is he part of some sick joke? This is all my friends hate me. Everyone's being mean, and I don't know what's going on. You're just a bit anxious. That's nothing new, right? Chill out. Sorry. Don't worry. He's probably just paranoid about everything that happened yesterday. You know I'm seeing a therapist? That's good. You know, we always hope you do that one day. Everybody loves you, PD. (laughs) (laughs) Cheer up, man. It's not loaded. (laughs) Look. Apparently one of the funniest guys on the planet. 
This is a British comedy, a very British comedy, and the director is Andrew Gaynard, writers Tom Palmer and Tom Storton. And most of their resumes all have to do with BBC TV, and that's where they come from, but they bring their sensibilities to the screen. And this is funny. Uh, It's also darkly funny Mm -hmm. and sort of introspective because Pete is, is coming. He's turning 31 and why they decide to throw such a big shindig for his 31st is a little curious, but whatever. And uh, they're getting together at this big manor, this big stately manor, where they're going to have this uh, big party for him. And it's their group of college friends. But a guy named Harry ends up crashing the party. They, all the friends meet him at the pub while they're waiting for Pete to get there. So by the time everybody congregates, Pete's wondering, who is this new guy? Well, they met him at the pub, and he's now part of things. Well, that's the first thing that doesn't sit well with Pete, because he's just <laughs> not, is, what's this guy doing? Is he making fun of me? Plus, he thinks he recognizes Harry from somewhere. And then the more it goes along, he notices that, uh, well, kind of like you do, Harry takes out a notebook and writes things down <laughs> <laughs> after Pete says something. got to hate people who do that. <laughs> and he's taking notes. And so through a series of, you know, misunderstandings and and crazy turns of fate, Pete starts to feel like, as the title says, all his friends hate him and they're working against him. And there's some big, big conspiracy. And also, why is his new girlfriend, his his new fiance, who's supposed to show up? Why is she not here yet? And why can't he get her on the phone? So all these things are working on his anxiety. And it is funny, especially if you enjoy the British humor. And the more it goes along, it does. It takes a surprising bit of dark comedy. I'm like, wow, what what is your deal? And the phrase <laughs> and the phrase, can't you take a joke? Just keeps coming up. And like, there's a point where are you really joking, or as the old adage goes, many a truth is told in jest, you know. And he really starts has to look back on uh, his life, especially one secret of his childhood that he's holding uh, that he's he thinks Harry has something to do with. So. It's really an interesting film. It's a nice uh, dynamic between all of the uh, members of this ensemble. And, uh, yeah, there are some funny, funny moments and a kind of a sort of a cliffhanger of an ending. So this is out in theaters now, one of the one of the few that's out there to take on the Batman. If you're looking for something totally different (laughs) and you enjoy the British comedy, I think you will laugh at uh, all my friends hate me. Another comedy next. Today is Jimmy's last day alive. His Alzheimer's is worsening, so he's decided to die like he has lived, with intention, humor, and zest. In his last day on Earth, Jimmy will show an obituary writer, his death doula, his estranged brother, his caretaker, a surreal being, and the guests at his fabulous funeral that perhaps the art of living is the art of dying. This is Moon Manor. I do not choose fear for this experience. Thank you for being part of my life. Now part of my death. I'm too old now to think about things that I've done wrong. If I can't be me, and I mean everything that that means, I just don't want to be. Will somebody please come up here and start praising me? Tori Haynes reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com, and boy, she just loved it. You know, it is, it is if nothing... Unexpected. It is so different and so well written 
the lead, Jimmy Carrazzo, who also, that's the that's the character's name as yeah. well. <laughs> Roll is born to play. He's just as charming as he can be, and the movie really celebrates life, but it'll also, I mean, it it carries quite a punch as well. I mean, it's it's just, it's such a, it's so rare that you see a film that truly does something different, and this truly does something different. Yeah, and speaking to dying, uh, yeah. dying on your own ter- terms, and Carrazzo, with that name and his look, he looks like an old mafioso, that, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. That's what he looks like. And then you're going to see some recognizable faces in the cast. Ricky Lake yeah. shows up. Also, Richard Reel, who you might recognize as Jump to Conclusions <laughs> from uh, Office Space. <laughs> At least that's who he is for us. Uh, he's in there, too. But I love the name. It was his uh, two writers, the co-writers and co-directors, Aaron Granat and Machete Bang Bang. Machete Bang Bang. Oh, I love that. That's the best name ever. Machete. It sounds like a band. It does. But it's a person, so I love it. But the, yeah, you can check out uh, Tori's full review. She really, really enjoyed it uh, at madwolf.com. And that is on VOD right now called Moon Manor. Let's move on to a sex comedy. A sexed cult settles in the Catskills to build a community and spread knowledge led by their mystical female founder. Their mission is to prioritize pleasure through a ritual called Jilling Off, which they believe will heal Mother Earth. This is called Adventures in Success. Female orgasm. There's no reproductive need. Wow. Wrap your heart around that. The work we're doing up here, obviously we're on the fringes. But you gotta start somewhere. We're doing something very been so sure of anything in my life. We can't tell anybody else. Lexi Mountain plays Peg, Pegasus, Pegasus for short, <laughs> who is the uh, guru, the leader of this cult. Uh, this is, a, and she's great. She's great, and she has some really great scenes, including uh, her own rendition of a Springsteen song. Nice, which is her, the the actor, the the character, sort of best moment, and also in in sort of keeping with the whole film, seems completely tangential and pointless inside the context of the movie. So it's a movie that doesn't exactly know where it's going. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and she liked it, but she was somewhat disappointed. It's like it had some great points to make. It's funny. It will make you uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but it just it sort of couldn't seal the deal. Yeah, you can find Rachel's review at MadWolf.com. And this is one that is on Prime Video. So, yeah, some people are don't mind that awkward sex stuff. Some people do. But oh, just yeah. keep in mind, that's what you're going to find here. So if that's your bag, you might enjoy it. And that is called Adventures in Success, now on VOD. Let's go to a drama next and an aimless film school student going on an ambling road trip across China in this personal road movie called Striding into the Wind. Christy Robb reviewed this one for us, and it is... One of those sort of indie films that is a slacker movie. And those can be frustrating because slackers can be frustrating. (laughs) But they can also be, you know, very intriguing and insightful about just sort of existence and sort of compulsive productivity. And the problem with this one, it's just a bit dull. There has some funny moments, some unexpected funny moments, particularly aimed at the sort of Chinese movie industry, which seemed 
fun and kind of odd. But on the whole, it it's just a bit meandering and frustrating. This is from director and co-writer Shu Jun Wei. And uh, yeah, you can find uh, Christie's full review at MadWolf.com. And this one is out on VOD. And it clocks in at over two hours. So that, uh, that also helps toward making it feel like a slog, yeah. unfortunately. But uh, Striding Into the Wind, available now on VOD. And we'll wrap it with another horror comedy. A stand-up comedian encounters a seemingly insane heckler who becomes his stalker. This takes heckling to a whole new level. It's called Heckle. Thought you could just come here to heckle me? My fucking stage. The heckler. The heckler. I like that. I crossed the line with you, and I'm sorry. Knock, knock. I'm supposed to be your girl. How does it feel knowing you're going to die tonight? He's lost his damn mind. You're ready for a surprise. So for the second week in a row, Brandon Thomas threw the short straw. He did, and boy, this gets my award for the worst trailer I have seen in a while. This trailer is awful, just awful. And I know a trailer is not a movie, but a trailer is supposed to make you interested in seeing a movie. This is terrible. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, very foul mouth, which is kind of funny, from Three Men and a Baby and uh, and Cocoon. It's kind of funny to see him. Well, curse this much. Yeah, but at least you've got a name, a recognizable yeah. name. Well, actually, you've got two, because also in the cast playing the heckler is Clark Gable the Third. Yes, the grandson of the Clark Gable. Amazing. But this, whoo, 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 no good. It's not funny. It's not scary. It's just it's just not very well made. Yeah, and you can uh, see, <laughs> see how Brandon reacted to uh, getting the short straw this week. His full review up at madwolf.com. But it is available. Uh, bargain. Uh, $3.99 on Amazon on VOD right now, and that is called Heckle. All right, it's lobby time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Hanging out back in the lobby, checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the latest news and delays and reschedulings. What are you seeing? Got a got a fair amount this week, actually. Um, on April first, Netflix is premiering the latest film from Richard Linklater, which is Apollo Ten and a Half: A Space Age Childhood, Ooh. and uh, that's a 1969 set coming of age story about children on Earth fantasizing about the Apollo Eleven moon landing. And it's another rotoscope animated feature, like uh, his past movies, Waking Life and oh, The Scanner Darkly. Nice. Okay, that's yeah, that's cool. Also on April 1st, there is a VOD and limited theatrical release of a vampire comedy called Let the Wrong One In. (laughs) And (laughs) that's from uh, the director of Stitches and From the Dark, Connor McMahon. So, Okay. Got my eye on that one. I love Stitches so much. (laughs) (laughs) And then on April 8th, because I know you've been wanting another one. You know, we haven't gotten enough this year. We're getting another Mel Gibson action movie. <laughs> this one's called Agent Game. Uh, that'll be his fourth film in four months in 2022. So uh, he's he's got his eye set on that Bruce Willis prize at this point. <laughs> uh, April 8th, we'll see the release of a Netflix coming-of-age heavy metal comedy called Metal Lords. And then on May 13th, there's a Christina Ricci creature feature called Monstrous hitting VOD and limited theatrical release. Ooh. All right. XYZ Films is putting out the sequel Wormwood Apocalypse on VOD, Blu-ray, and DVD on May 17th. We loved Wormwood. And then IFC Midnight is releasing a Micah Monroe uh, starring horror film called Watcher in theaters on June 3rd. And as far as I know, that one's a wide release. We've been getting a lot of smaller wide release horror movies this year. It makes me really happy. Yeah. And she was the one from uh, It Follows. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, Disney's Searchlight Pictures has announced a trio of dates for Hulu exclusives this summer. Uh, the first one is a rom-com called Fire Island. That one's hitting on June 3rd. Uh, on June 17th, we're getting an Emma Thompson comedy called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Nice. And I love on her. August I want to grow up to there's be There's a Zoe Deutsch <laughs> drama called Not Okay. And again, those will all be straight to Hulu. And then the big news of the week is that Warner Brothers has shifted pretty much all of the rest of their immediate um, DC superhero slate for the rest of this year and early next year. Yeah, I did um, see something about that, yeah. They have an animated movie called League of Super Pets that was supposed to come out in May. It has now moved to July 29th. And Black Adam, the Dwayne Johnson starring superhero one, was supposed to come out July 29th. Now that one's coming out October 21st. I think they wanted to get it out of a fairly crowded July. Um, it was originally going to go up against Thor 4, Nope, Bullet Train, and Minions 2. So that was. <laughs> and isn't isn't uh, Top Gun 2 in July or is that June? It's either in May, in late May or oh, early June, okay. one of the two. Okay. That one's moved around so much I can't yeah, remember the yeah, date right, right off the yeah. top of my head. Um, of course, you know, that caused them to move the rest of this slate around. Shazam 2 has been moved up from June 2023 to December of this year. Oh. Um, but it's been in post-production for about six months now anyway. Aquaman 2 was set for December this year. It has been moved to March next year. And the Flash movie has been moved from November this year to June of next year. So they're just kind of playing musical chairs with a lot of these yeah, all these uh, superheroes got to check their day planners. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and that's all I've got for you this week. All right, man. Good stuff. You can always catch up on the latest with Daniel. You can find him on the social media at The Schlocketeer. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, looking ahead to next week, we've got uh, Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas in Deep Water. We also have The Last Tourist. A Shepherdess and The Seven Songs. Tethered. Panama. <laughs> Measure of Revenge. Master. X. And Alice. Well, those last two we've been looking forward to. Yes. So well, we'll see. We'll talk about those. And who knows what else might pop up. But in the meantime, what do you think about anything uh, this week? We're always up for talking about it. Or if you want to go back and talk about the Batman, we can do that, too. You can find <laughs> us uh, easily on Twitter, and that is Mad Wolf, at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, we can find all of our written reviews, the whole Mad Wolf packs written reviews, and they they helped out a lot this week. They did. Uh, you can find that all at madwolf.com, including our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club, and we've got a new episode uh, dropping here in uh, the coming days, so a lot to check out. Hopefully you will check in. We'd love to hear from you, and until then, and until next week, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>